Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. You know, I, I just got this uh, magazine. I wish I had it with me down here, but that is um, the Cub Scout Boys Life magazine. And so Cub Scouts has gone um, co-ed and I am the Cub Scout leader for my, I have a daughter and son for their troop. And there's this magazine and it's, a, it's called Boys Life. And it has like in very small writing, good for girls too. <laughs> and it's like that idea that belonging is just like, oh, well, we let you belong to the organization. That's belonging, right? But to me, that's like the exact opposite. Belonging is I not only am a part of this organization, but I am a central valued member of the organization. Stephanie is an associate professor of management. She studies the intersection of leadership and diversity. Stephanie is also a member of the MG100 Coaches. She was selected for the 2020 Thinkers 50 Radar List, and she's the author of the national bestseller, Inclusify, harnessing the power of uniqueness and belonging to build innovative teams. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. And I am really happy to be chatting about one of those topics that has always been critical, important, fundamental for the success of any organization, but for, for the success of humanity, to be honest. And this topic has become more and more relevant over the past uh, few years, especially because of the new role of HR being more strategic, a partner in the business, building better culture and employee experience. So I'm talking about diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging in the workplace. So I am really, really excited to welcome Stephanie to the show to chat about these topics. How are you, Stephanie? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me back to your show. That is a vote of confidence for sure. Absolutely. Well, I, I have enjoyed our conversations and all the the content that you have been sharing about diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging. And I know you're very passionate you know, about all these topics, but especially about belonging. That's, I, I know that that's one of your uh, you know, most passionate areas of work. So, so let's just start by defining what belonging means. And I ask you this question because very often for some people, it, it sounds like a fluffy concept, like, you know, what is belonging? You know, like if you don't want to stay in your job, why do you even need to feel that you belong to that job, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's very important for us to define, to, to establish a baseline and then go from there. From there. So what is belonging? You know, I, I just got this uh, magazine. I wish I had it with me down here, but that is um, the Cub Scout Boys Life magazine. And so Cub Scouts has gone um, co-ed and 
I am the Cub Scout leader for my, I have a daughter and son for their troop. And there's this magazine and it's, a, it's called Boys Life. And it has like in very small writing, good for girls too. <laughs> and it's like the idea that belonging is just like, oh, well, we let you belong to the organization. That's belonging, right? But to me, that's like the exact opposite. Belonging is I not only am a part of this organization, but I am a central valued member of the organization. And the organization works for me too, not just for whatever the majority group is. So I think it's like that feeling that you are an accepted valued member of the team, but also that you're like kind of part of the culture. The culture is part of you. This is fascinating because when we think about belonging with this definition, it sort of breaks from you know, the past of what working meant, right? Or what work mm -hmm. meant in the past. And I don't mean the past as 50 years ago. I mean, the past, even sometimes very recently, some leaders thinking that people would come to work just for their payment, you know, to earn a salary. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you come to work, you get paid and then you go back home. And that's all, that's, that's all our transactional relationship, right? That's, that's all what we're getting out of work. But in reality, it's way more than that, right? As you're saying, work is the place where you come to, to thrive, to flourish. You want to grow, but you also want your company to grow together with you. And this requires a different set of capabilities, a different way of thinking about leadership, different culture in the organization. And, and I'm guessing that for the people who think about how things were in the past, this is, this is challenging for them. You know, I totally agree. But I think what's funny about that is every manager I've ever talked to who had that like theory X yeah. mentality, like people will come if they want to get paid and if they don't want to, they can leave. If you ask them, what do you want out of your workplace? They a hundred percent of the time say the same thing that they want to grow and develop and contribute and be a part of something. And it's like, well, why don't you think that everyone wants that if you want that? And I guess, you know, maybe there's some people who don't, but I think like by and large, that is what people want. They want yeah. to actually make a meaningful contribution and do something good. Because especially I think millennials and Gen Z, the like kind of younger generations have been raised to expect that about their yeah. workplace, right? Like find a, a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't you think know, that works anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I'm thinking is this is intuitive, right? I mean, if you come to work for me and you're passionate about something and I can offer you an avenue to explore that passion and to optimize it, maximize it, then you are getting the best out of your relationship with me at work. And I am getting the best out of my relationship with you at work. That's intuitive, right? We're, we're, all, we're both winning here, but it doesn't happen in the workplace all the time. And it is like, wait a second, why is it that the intuitive thing to do is the exact thing that we're not doing at work? <laughs> so, you know, so what are the yeah. barriers that prevent this from actually becoming real in the workplace? What's in the middle? What, what are the roadblocks that are, well, blocking us from truly building cultures of belonging? Yeah. Well, I mean, some people, I think, despite you saying it's intuitive, I think some people still don't. Yeah. That or don't believe that, you know, they've 
maybe they've treated their employees like a commodity in the past. And then, so they get that exchange. That's what they get what they expect, right? You get what you, how you treat people. Uh, but, you know, I think the biggest thing is the idea that we have to change our workplace so other people can fit is a really new concept. Yeah. I think historically, and I'll even say, like, I think about this all the time for myself, how I just naturally 100% assumed wherever I work, I'm going to look around and make and learn what the culture is. And then I'm going to try to just like fit in. Because if I don't fit in, they're not going to hire me, right? Like it's, you hire people who fit your culture. And I think that that's how we were trained, right? Like that is a major mantra of like the tech industry and finance, hire people who are culture fits. And that's outdated. And like, we just did that, you know, (laughs) it was like 20 years ago, that was all the rage. And I think it's today, I think it's like, how can you build a culture where it's more inclusive that almost anyone can fit as long as you have like the core shared values that the culture can be flexible enough and grow so that it's actually like each of us adds to the culture rather than just having to like fit into this little box. Cause there's so many, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this in your career. Like that just kills creativity and innovation yeah. and keeps people out rather than bringing them in. Absolutely. And I love that you said, as long as we are, we have some core shared values, we're going to be able to make it work. And it it seems to me as if one of the biggest challenges for, for HR, taking into account that HR is the, the function uh, designing the organization and designing careers and designing work. One of the big challenges is how can we create an organization that has some core values that everybody understands, that is clear about what the business outcomes, the business objectives are, but the kind of organization that can be very, you know, like water, right? That, that is like adapting to the people that are coming in, the people that are leaving. And instead of forcing people to be, to fit into the culture, it's the kind of organization that evolves to yeah. embrace what they had before and embrace what they can they can have new by the people that are coming in. So I think that's quite a challenge, right? Yeah, for sure. But there are cultures that like make it work. So like yeah. Zappos has the, you know, kind of like be weird culture and <laughs> decorate your office however you want. It's like not a fit in culture, right? It's a culture of, I think it's a culture of inclusion. And yeah. to me, it starts with, you know, what you said is HR has really become a strategic, part of the organization. And I, I think that's true with this aspect, whether you call this HR or it's DNI, that first the organization needs to take a hard look at themselves and say, what is our strategy moving forward? And if your strategy is stay exactly like you are and don't adapt in any way because what you're doing is work is working, then maybe this isn't for you. But if yeah. your strategy is to be agile and adapt and keep up with and innovate and keep up with changes in uh, the demographic makeup of the US and the globalization of the workforce, then I think your part of the strategy has to be a diversity and inclusion strategy. How can you create an organization whose culture is actually has inclusion at the center of it? That's the answer, right? If, yeah. if 
the shared value is inclusion, then everything else just kind of falls into place. Absolutely. And actually, I'm thinking about this in the context of all the craziness happening in the world these days with the pandemic. And, and I am thinking about people that I speak to and they tell me I love working from home. It's the best thing that has ever happened in my, in my career. And I talk to people who say, I hate this. I can't take it anymore. I need to be away from home in my office. So talking about belonging, right? The traditional concept was everybody needed to come to the office and we all work from the office in certain schedule. Now that concept has shifted to, well, people have to work from home because they can't come to the office, but we're going to have to come to a place where our culture evolves to a place where we say, you, Stephanie, you like to work from the office. You're welcome to come to the office. Enrique likes to work from home. Enrique is welcome to work from home because we are adapting to what you uh, find as the most, uh, as the best way to be productive and, you know, deliver your work. Same with me, but we are connected by the fact that we're making the organization still work and we're connected by the values and, and whatnot. So I think this is a, this creates quite an interesting quite an interesting possibility, if you will, for, for organizations. So let me ask you this. One thing that I love doing in my podcast is asking my guests to walk me through their imagination. So let me, let me tell you what this means. If you, if, if you are the kind of organization that has built in belonging and diversity and inclusion truly into their DNA and into their culture, what does it look like? Can you walk us through about what, how, what people do in that organization, how they operate, how they work together? How, what is it? What, what does it look like? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I guess to me, the really central thing that is in my, and you don't want to go in my imagination because it's like, <laughs> but um, the thing that comes to mind for me is an organization where kind of healthy conflict and communication is really valued. So every time an idea comes up, everyone in the room feels safe to say, well, here's my perspective. And the other, so the person says, here's my perspective. And a third person might say, I agree with your perspective, but I'm just going to come up with another perspective because, you know, let's, we want to get to the best idea. And that is to me, the really central Part of it. It's like we all feel like we can weigh in. We all feel equal and equally safe to give different perspectives. And the end result won't be, um, you know, what the leader chooses or a compromise, but a collaboration. So we're all weighing in. And it's like, I guess what comes to mind is like a really creative enterprise where every decision is like, well, let's, you know, build the best um, car, let's create the best product and let's like, I guess really be, I, I use this word already, but I'll say agile. So we, if we've explored all the ideas, we can come up with one, one strategy we're going to pursue and we test it out. And then we can also really easily pivot because we've explored all these other options. And of course, I think there's like, I want, in my imagination, I think people feel like they can be themselves. I miss the big hair like that you had, <laughs> that you've cut now. Um, because I'll say in my workplace, everyone wears, I think, a blue suit and yeah. like the current workplace, not the imagination workplace. 
And like, I mean, I teach in a business school. So like even the students were like, you have to look like this and you have to act like this. You know, I am wearing a suit today, but only because I'm doing a video later, but um, I'm wearing fuzzy slippers. And, you know, I just think there's more of this, like, I could put on the uniform, but like, what am I trying to hide? Like, yeah. you've seen my kids at the, by this point, because they break in here all the time. My cat walks across my laptop and I just think it's like, I'm kind of done. I'm done yeah. pretending and wearing a costume and a facade of, and like, that's not when I'm at my best, right? I'm at my best yeah. when I'm just like relaxed. And maybe that's why you, I don't know if you, you really truly do like the working from home, but I do I people <laughs> like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do like it. And I, I find this fascinating and I connect that with something, one of those BS kind of theories, which um, I don't know how you feel about it, but this idea of fake it till you make it, I think that's such a bad yeah. advice. Um, yeah. Because basically what they're telling you to do is you can't be yourself. You have to, you have to put on a facade. Mm -hmm. You got to go be, you got to, you know, put on a custom, go to work. Like if you are not yourself and pretend all day, man, pretending is such a, such an exhausting thing to do every day, all day at work. And I, I'm thinking about this alternative organization that you're creating, which is I come to work. I feel safe to say, I agree or I disagree with you. This is my idea, or I don't have any ideas. Instead of I have a lot of questions or you know what? I am a great performer and my hair is really long and I have a long beard. What, what's the problem <laughs> with that? I work in Wall Street and I don't come to work wearing a suit, but wearing a fleece and you know some sandals. So it's, it's that idea that we can truly perform way better if we have the ability to be ourselves at work rather than faking it until we make it. I think that's such a, such a pathetic advice, to be honest. What, what do you feel about that? It's so, I think it's so 20 years ago, but yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I certainly adopted that mantra myself. Like I'm like, you know, I, I think, you know, a little bit about me, but you know, I'm um, half Mexican and I grew up in a neighborhood and my family culturally is only Mexican and my parents didn't go to college and I grew up pretty poor. And then I go to work in, in a business school or even in business and it's like, none of that stuff is, is welcome. You don't really bring any of that stuff to work. And instead you're like trying to just sit there and be like a, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like a puppet, you know, like I want to just yeah. look at everyone else and do everyone's nodding at this point. So I'm going to nod and everyone laughs. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know why they're laughing, but I will just laugh. <laughs> and so I'm not really even as creative or um, I don't have as great ideas as I would because I'm so busy thinking of like, let me watch what everyone else is doing so I can fit in. And then I'm not actually contributing as well as I yeah. could have just like rolled in as myself and, and felt comfortable to say, well, you know, in conversations, like, have you considered how, so I work in academia, but like how students of color are going to be impacted by yeah. COVID or there's a lot of, you know, in my, my university right now there, we've been like shut down because of, um, COVID, a COVID outbreak. And there's on campus, a food pantry for students who can't afford to go buy food or they can't get into the grocery store. And, um, it's stuff like that. Like people don't normally think about that unless you've yeah. had those experiences yourself. 
Yeah. And you feel like safe to say it. Like, well, how do some, how do students get money? How do they get food? How do they get money? Our students yeah. weren't allowed to work for like, or they weren't supposed to go to work because everyone was quarantined. Yeah. What if you're paying your own bills, right? Like there's all of these, I think different perspectives that come up if you just feel safe to be thinking about the world and your work through your own lens and not trying to pretend that you have someone else's lens because that yeah. lens is right? You don't need it. Yeah, and it is, it is exhausting. And in addition to that, it's something that you just said. I think we all have those personal stories and personal experiences that we always try to you know, hide under the rock because we are ashamed, not, not necessarily ashamed of them, but we, f- we feel that the workplace, the place where we work are, are, will, will, will make us feel poorly about, about them, right? Instead of, instead of just saying, wow, you know, what an experience, you know, tell me more about it. And then me, yeah. if I was a leader thinking, whoa, you know, she, you know, Stephanie has a multicultural experience. I didn't know that before. So maybe I can, you know, provide some goals or some projects where I can, you know, she and I as an organization can both grow out of those experiences and stories. So there was some, something else that you mentioned before when we were walking through your imagination about, uh, uh, you said that your, your imagined, your dreamed organization is a creative enterprise. And of course, we, it's, it's very well researched and, and um, there's a lot of documentation around the fact that innovation is better and more powerful and more innovative, if you will, from diverse teams and teams that feel uh, belonging. So how can we operationalize that in the workplace? How can we truly not only deliver the message that diverse teams are more innovative, but truly, how do we make it happen? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I write about this a lot in my book, Inclusify, because it's about how diverse and inclusive teams drive innovation. Um, I think it's like what is rewarded is repeated. And so if you see, you know, sitting there and um, just agreeing is rewarded or there's uh, a risk, like I did, I've worked with some companies that are like, yeah, they love innovation, but if your innovative idea doesn't work, you're in big trouble. That's not going to foster innovation because better off just like staying below the radar than you are putting um, like wild ideas out there. And we know that the wild ideas, like even if you don't go with the wild idea, it could spark the perfect idea that is going to make the company more successful in the long term. Because, you know, I don't think there's an opportunity for companies that aren't innovative today. Things are changing too quickly to just stick with like, um, I worked with, uh, a few organizations in the oil and gas industry. And I gave them my speech, you know, like diversity and inclusion. And um, it drives innovation. And one person literally said, we're oil and gas. I think we're going to be okay, right? Like <laughs> the world's always going to need oil and gas. We don't, we don't really need to innovate. And, you know, then I look at the cost of a barrel of oil and I'm like, maybe you should have innovated, right? Yeah. Like there's probably an opportunity there. And even if you were doing fine, there's some something better than fine yeah. that you could be doing if you just, you know, leaned into that innovation. I love that. And actually you're reminding me uh, of this story. When I, when I started doing Hacking HR at the, at the end of 2017, I, I did an event and I invited this guy, big 
HR name from, you know, uh, a big company. And he said, well, you know, let's talk about it because I want to know a little bit more about what, what you guys are doing. So we talk over the phone and the first, the very first thing he asked me was why hacking HR? Why that name? And I said, well, because I think HR needs to change from the core and hacking something meets, means changing it from the core. And he said to me, I don't think everything in HR needs to change. And he used the example of employment relationships or, or relations. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, I don't think that needs to change. Three years later, where we are, 40%, 50% of America working from home. Yeah. Uh, gig workforce becoming a more and more uh, a common uh, framework of work. And people doing, you know, uh, remote work, distributed workforce and whatnot. So our, our, our foundation of employment relationships was, was well founded on the fact that people were working from the office and that's not true anymore. So even that one thing that was yeah. very policy, uh, you know, law oriented needed to change. And this guy didn't see it that yeah. way. So it's exactly what you're saying. It is. Yeah, maybe yeah. it is working today, but it won't work forever, especially not now that things are moving so quickly. So, so you better get into the, into the groove of understanding that whether you innovate today or not, that's up to you. But if you don't, I mean, there's a high likelihood that you may go out of business, both individually or as an organization. I know. I think of it as like, is it, people feel like it's risky, like it's yeah. risky to change or invest it's risky to hire people who don't look like us yeah. but i think it's riskier not to yeah. because when stuff like this comes up what are the organizations who had the easiest time transitioning to covid for example it's the ones that already offered things like flexible work arrangements um, to support <laughs> parents and millennials just they need support and and then when everyone worked home they're like oh well we already have you know, VPNs on everyone's computer and like all, all these things set up. That's amazing. I work, um, I serve on a board at MD Anderson Cancer Center. So I think hospitals, right? Not terribly innovative, you know, maybe on the health things, but they were starting to, uh, because they really recognized their CEO, Peter Pisters really recognized like we have to be ready to change. And so they had just started investing in telemedicine. Wow. Like, and their idea was, you know, serve more people um, if they don't have to travel out here to Houston. They were so ready when yeah. COVID hit to do telemedicine because they had already the infrastructure there because they were being innovative. And they're super, like they invest a lot in diversity. And I think that's, that helps. I mean, it, it just sets you up for, the changes, the disruptors and yeah. the telework and the gig economy and all those things that you said. And those are the ones we know about. Yeah. 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 The, the, the way I see, you know, is, is training the muscle. You never know when the race is going to start uh, or actually it already started, but you never know when you're going to have to speed up or slow down or go up a mountain or go down the mountain. And you need to be training the muscles all the time. You need to be ready for these things to happen. And what's funny, you know, you use the example of uh, remote work and technology and companies that work ready with flexible work schedules. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic in, in March of 2020 this year, I, I remember uh, talking with so many people saying, you know, banks, for example, or, you know, other kinds of industries that they were told for many years, you got to get ready for remote work because whether it happens today or tomorrow, it's going to happen. And yeah. 
the excuse was always the same. We are never going to be working remotely. That's never going to be a reality for us. Boom, pandemic happened and these guys were not ready. So, so it's, it's just incredible. Yeah. And diverse teams that can bring these things to the table are, are, way, are way better at uh, figuring stuff out. So Stephanie, as we wrap up this conversation, which has been great, I, I want to ask you a, a last uh, question. The journey to build a culture of belonging always starts somewhere, right? There are organizations that are far down the road. Some others are just beginning their journey. If you were to tell HR leaders the number one step where they can, from where they can begin the process to build this culture of belonging, what would that first step be? Oh my gosh, I have so many answers to that. I don't know if I can pick one. Um, so the, I think the Look most effective, okay, thanks. The most effective <laughs> change, I think, measuring and setting goals. Hmm. You can set goals for belonging. You can set goals for diversity. It's like, we know if we have data and we have goals, we tend to reach those goals. We have to know where we're going, right? That's like a big, that's like a um, corporate level answer. I think for every individual, it's empathy. It's like, you have to consider your identity, where you're coming from, your experiences. That's like, it takes a little bit of investment. And then you have to try to understand other people's experiences to, I think in order to really start building belongings, how can we all belong if I don't understand me and I don't understand you? How am I going to create an organization where we can have a relationship? Yeah. I know myself. And I certainly know you. Like that's that's not going to foster belonging. For individuals, the answer is to start with empathy. Yeah. By understanding yourself and then try to understand those around you. I think that's uh such a powerful advice. And I'm hoping that of course we truly embrace it. So Stephanie, thank you so much for being with me today in the podcast. Fascinating conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. See you soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.